today we uh, continue on in a journey, and it is a journey um, of really just a journey into the heart of prayer. And a journey into the heart of prayer is really a journey into the heart of God. We don't have a, a fancy logo to put out there for you. Uh, we don't have anything that's really nicely packaged to serve up to you. Uh, but prayer doesn't really need anything fancy anyway, does it? Um, and so we're going to do this for five weeks. This is the second week. And one of the things we went over last week, when we need to kind of get ourselves caught up, is that prayer is as essential to your relationship with God as oxygen is to your body. Okay, we're going to take a deep breath together, okay, on three. One, two, three. Let's do it one more time. One, two, three. Ever since God breathed into the lungs of man in Genesis chapter 2, we've been doing that, right? And if we stop doing that, we aren't going to last too long, are we? The thing is, we've been doing that all day, right? And we probably haven't been very aware of the fact that we're breathing, uh, very much in the same way. That's how bad we need prayer. That is the life that we have in Christ. Prayer cannot be a sermon series we focus on every now and then. It can't just be something we read about or think about or talk about here and there. Prayer is designed to be a way of life. It's designed to be a habit. It's designed to be a discipline. And ultimately, it's designed by God to be a desire. See, God, the things that God made you for, the things that God made you to do are really connected to the deepest desires of your heart. God doesn't make you to do things that you absolutely hate from the bottom of your heart. Sometimes we have to do things we don't prefer or we don't like for a, a season, but ultimately the deepest desires of our heart are to do the things that God made us for because that's when we become fully alive, fully ourselves. And every single one of us were made to be a people of prayer, not just the pastor, not just a few other people we know in our life. Nobody has an excuse. God made every one of you. If you have a brain, then you were made to be a person of prayer in some way. Jesus' disciples said, teach us to pray. And we're going to ask Jesus to teach us how to pray or to continue to grow in our prayer life in this journey. Last week, we talked about what prayer is and how that's different than maybe the way uh, the wider culture we live in understands what prayer is or maybe way some of the assumptions we bring. Is prayer just a stale tradition? Is it just a ritual? Is it a good luck charm? Is prayer a uh, superstition or maybe just a part of a little checklist? If I get all my prayers done, I'm doing all my things I need to do before God so I can be in my good graces with Him. And we talked about how prayer is more than that. There's so much more of a journey and a deeper way of being when we pray. And ultimately, prayer is about relationship. A relationship with God through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. It is an invitation into that relationship into the deeper places of God. And so we kind of worked on that last week about how we perceive prayer in the first place. And today we're going to continue on in that vein on learning how to pray. Now, from this point, uh, I think it's important for us to note that prayer is never just about prayer. To say, Jesus, teach us to pray isn't saying, Jesus, would you give me the right technique? Do I need to be on one knee like this or two knees like this? 
do I need to pray like this or like this or, you know, that's not the point. Now, sometimes our posture in prayer matters, but ultimately it's more than just technique because prayer is connected to those deeper elements of our relationship with God. And today we're going to talk about three of those elements. So when we talk about prayer, we got to talk about these other things, okay? So the first element that is connected to prayer is faith. Faith and prayer cannot be separated from one another. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would approach him must believe Number one, that he exists. And number two, that he rewards those who seek him. In other words, we must believe that God is good. Faith and believing that God is good are very close to the same thing. I bet that if everyone truly believed, everyone in the world, if we really believed that God was ultimately good, 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 then we would pray all the time, every day. I think the other end of that coin, the other side of that coin is that the reason that we may not always be praying is because there's some seed of doubt inside of us that holds back. Something in us says, is God really good? Does he really know what's best for me? Does, is he really even with me right now? That doubt and that question mark has been with us ever since the serpent entered into the garden in Genesis chapter 3 and said to Adam and Eve, did God really say not to eat of any of the fruit of any of the trees of the garden? The seeds of doubt from that moment on have been with us. And Adam and Eve's main sin, in my opinion, is because they forgot to remember that God is truly good and that God knows what is best for them. Is God good? I want to invite you to think about in your own mind, if you had a, a, a meter between one and 10, and one is, man, I have a hard time believing God is good at all, ever. And, and if that's who you are, you probably wouldn't be here today, by the way. So give yourself at least a two, okay? <laughs> 10 is... I believe that God is good no matter what happens to me ever in my life, and I never fail to believe that, even on the worst day I've ever had, okay? That's a 10. I confess I'm not at a 10, okay? Uh, so probably somewhere between a 2 and a 9. Rate yourself just in your own head, okay? We're not going to share this. This is just all you and yourself. What do you, how much do you believe that God is good? And, and where in, the in your life do you realize that that is tested? Jesus had a firm belief in the goodness of his loving heavenly father. He says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. And then Jesus says, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. You know that? You believe that? Do you believe that God knows what you need even before you ask? Jesus does. 
Jesus continues on. It says, pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Do not bring us into the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. And that's where we get the Lord's Prayer. It's actually in the Bible, okay? We don't just make that stuff up. And then Jesus goes on, and we'll get to this a little later, but he continues on and he says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Jesus also says later on in Matthew 6.30, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? He is saying, God is good. My Father is good. He's, he's saying that to those who are listening to them, to him, and he says, you have little faith. Sometimes we hear that and, and we have echoes of maybe a parent or a coach who was getting on to us and, and trying to shame us and saying, I'm so disappointed in you. You have little faith. I don't think that's what God is saying here. I think God is saying, look, your faith is small. Your faith, you have so much more room to grow. There's so much more in this faith area that you can grow in and the fact that you're anxious right now about what to eat or drink or wear is revealing that. In the same way, in the world that we live in, the hard challenges of life reveal our faith or our lack of. It could be a medical challenge. It could be a financial challenge. It could be a relationship challenge. It could be uh, an addiction challenge. It could be a challenge with of, of any of those sorts with a loved one that you have? I mean, just in our own personal lives, those are some of the areas where our faith will be exposed. We might have thought we were at a seven, but then we realize, oh, I'm at a four because I am feeling like I'm on shaky ground right now. Life can be hard. We go through these times of testing. I believe that God wants to use those times to give us the opportunity to place our trust in Him, to place our faith in Him, to remember God really is good, even if there's a lot of evidence out there in my life that seems to be going against me. God has not forgotten me, and He is good. Do you believe that God is good? That is one of the most foundational questions of your life and one of the most foundational questions of our faith. And if hard times keep you from believing that, if that knocks you off your, your, your faith, whatever it is, then that's where you see the need to grow. Pray for faith. Pray that God would, would cleanse you of any, any understanding of Him or theology about Him that that falls short of that kind of belief in the absolute goodness of God. We come today to celebrate a God who is good and nothing less than the best. Number one, faith. Number two, the second component of our lives that's connected to our prayer life is surrender. Surrender. When you practice prayer... It won't take long in your prayers to begin to see 
the discrepancy between God's holiness and your lack of holiness. It happens pretty quickly, and it's going to happen. Once we get, the more we get real with God, the more we realize, okay, God is holy, and I fall short of God's glory. I have things in my heart, things in my mind. There's things I've said and I've done. I've had an attitude of a certain kind, and they reveal that I, I am not there. And that is the perfect invitation to confession. We are a confessional people. Confession should just be in our daily prayers. God, I fall short of your glory. Bishop did a great job of leading us in confession today, didn't he? It's that sense of saying, God, I'm not, I'm not measuring up all the way. When we do that, when we realize that, first of all, we know that God offers forgiveness of us. But beyond that, God doesn't just say, hey, I forgive you for all the times you fall short, and I'll just go and keep falling short. That's not what God says. When God lovingly forgives us, he says things like, now go and sin no more. Because God has sent the Holy Spirit to change us from the inside out into the image of God that he made us to bear, into people who are like Jesus. So surrender means that we have to be willing to change. If you're not willing to be changed by Christ, then you're going to hit a ceiling pretty quick in your prayer life. And prayer is never going to go beyond that level. Surrender means letting go of an old self and embracing a new self in Christ who God made you to be. I think that's why Jesus puts forgiveness on the end of this prayer. I mean, right at the end of the prayer, he says, if you forgive others, your heavenly father will forgive you. If you do not forgive others, your father will not forgive you. Why does, how does that work? I think sometimes we think of God has, you know, a measure of forgiveness. We'll just say it's right here. And God's going to pour out his forgiveness on us. And he's sitting there. He's going, okay, as soon as you forgive that person, I'm going to pour this out. Go ahead and forgive them. I'm just waiting. I'll forgive you once you forgive them. You know, it's like pay me 20 bucks and then I'll give you the, the service or the, the, the goods or whatever it is. That's not how God works. We worship a Savior who died on a cross, who was sitting there, and while nobody was asking for forgiveness, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Romans chapter 5 says that Jesus Christ died for us while we were sinners. He didn't wait for us to get our lives cleaned up, forgive everybody, and have everything ready to go before he chose to die for us. No, God came into a world of sinful, selfish people, and he says, I'm going to give my life for you. I forgive you. Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. And so God is already pouring it out. The problem is when we are unwilling to forgive others, translation, when we are unwilling to surrender, then we're kind of like we have our, our hands clenched like this. What it means is we can't receive. It's just pouring out all over us, but we're not getting any of it. Why? Because we're hanging on to something. But once we forgive, once we let go, once we surrender, we are put in a position where the offer of forgiveness gets inside of us. 
Surrender. If you're willing to surrender, if you're willing to forgive, if you're willing to be changed, if you're willing to go love your neighbor, if you're willing to get rid of selfish habits, if you're willing to think about someone other than yourself, I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. This is the stuff of transformation. God wants to transform us. We have to be willing to give that up and surrender our old self. We have to be willing to change. Jesus modeled this for us himself, didn't he? He comes to a place on the very last night of his life and he says, God, Abba, Father, take this cup from me. And then he says, not my will, but your will be done. That's a great pattern for prayer. God, this is what I want. I'm putting all my needs before you. God, not my will, your will be done. A great pattern for prayer. And Jesus models it for us, even on the very last night of his life. I think there is a difference between, if if we're not willing to surrender, we get stuck. And your prayer life will never get deeper or develop as long as you're hanging on to whatever it is that God is saying, hey, just give that to me. Just let go of it. Just, Just offer yourself to me and I will change you. There's a difference between that and what you might call a dry season of prayer. A dry season of prayer, it's talked about by the church fathers, it's talked about by uh, people who are much more experts on prayer than I am, that there are seasons of our lives when we pray, it's very difficult, if, if we can at all, to feel the presence of God. And it's not that the person is, is holding on to something, it's simply that it, it just, it's just hard to hear God. It's hard to experience Him, His presence, and that kind of a thing. And what's going on there is is what they say is that God is is weaning his son or daughter off of prayer just being something that makes us feel good. That that it goes beyond that and that that God is stretching somebody to, to trust in him even when we don't feel him. If we always have to feel God in prayer, then prayer ultimately becomes something about us. Prayer is meant to be something ultimately for the glory of God. And so God will stretch people out. The more you pray, the day will come when you go into that place. So the discernment is up to to you. If If you're not experiencing the presence of God in prayer, is it because you're not surrendering something? Or is it because God is just stretching you out? I can't tell you what that is for you. That's between you and the Holy Spirit. You guys have some homework to do. So go and figure that out, okay? Surrender. So we talked about faith. We've talked about surrender. And finally, the third element of our lives that is connected to prayer, or at least the third one we're going to talk about today, is humility. Humility. And uh, I'm going to define, make one definition of humility, at least for this, is the willingness to be a beginner. The willingness to be a beginner. Being a beginner means that we have to practice, doesn't it? I have uh, four kids and um, a couple of them like baseball, and so I've somewhat taught some of my my kids baseball in some way. I'm not an expert coach or anything like that, but I've been around uh, a lot of dads uh, who've coached uh, their sons in baseball uh, and their daughters, moms who taught daughters, all that stuff. But one of the things that, that really kind of gets to me is when I see a kid and they're trying to learn to swing a baseball bat and every time they try to take a swing, 
is a coach, your mom or dad or whoever, is criticizing what they're doing. You're, you're not far enough back. You're leaning too far forward. You're getting off balance. You're not throwing your hips into it. You're going around. You're not coming inside time and time again. Now, there's a time and a place for that. But if you don't do that the right way, then the message can just get put out there. You're a screw up. Right? And, and the, there's kind of this sense of fear that gets involved in that. And as a parent, it depends on the kid. It depends on a lot of variables there. But there's this art to it. And prayer is like learning to swing a baseball bat. It really is. And the only way to really do it is to practice. And you will never practice your way out of prayer. The best athletes in the world are still the ones that practice the most, aren't they? And if throwing a baseball or a football or whatever it is, uh, shooting a basketball, if that requires practice from the best of the best, do you think we're ever going to outgrow that in something much more mysterious like prayer? Practice, 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 practice. And so my invitation to you today is to be a humble beginner, which means go and pray. Go and get in your prayer closet and pray. When you're driving, pray. Do it. And if it's a C minus prayer, then do it. Go pray screwed up prayers. Just, just swing away. Whether it fits or feels good or whatever, just do it. Pray those prayers. Don't worry about it being a performance. Don't make it an A plus endeavor. None of us are ever going to be an A plus prayer. You're never going to get a 4.0 in prayer. Just give it up. Okay? Never. You're always going to have to work on it. And that's part of the humility. The more you grow in prayer, the more you'll grow in humility. Richard Foster, who is the author of uh, the book, Prayer, Finding the Heart's True Home, has a chapter very early on in his book, and it's called Simple Prayer. He says this, the only way to move beyond self-centered prayer is by going through it not by making a detour around it. Which means when we pray, often we're very self-focused, aren't we? I am sometimes. And it's not that we try to not be self-focused, but we go right through that. Go and pray some selfish prayers, but do not give up on God and never stop practicing. God will, you're giving God something to work with. And he will take those prayers and he will, he will continue to grow you and to develop you. He will honor the time you give to him. He will honor it if you offer yourself to him in prayer. And you'll find that he's doing something in your heart that you didn't ever think was going to happen. You'll find peace in places you never knew. You'll find compassion for people you never cared about. You'll find all kinds of, of things that are going on in your life that are much bigger than what you ever anticipated and get your reps in gotta have repetitions don't wait until you feel like praying to pray if you wait until you feel like praying to pray you're probably not going to pray a whole lot sometimes you got to crank the engine like the old cartoon where the guy gets in front of the the airplane and he cranks it right he pulls the propeller propeller and he cranks it sometimes you just got to do it to get the engine going and then hopefully you'll get running You'll feel like praying some. One of the things that I really encourage people to do is to have a schedule. 
where you pray uh, at a certain time every day or multiple times a day. One of the things that I do is, and, and this is when I'm doing it well, I don't do it every day, but I set my uh, coffee maker to go off at 5.50 in the morning. Therefore, coffee is ready by 6. I get up at 6. I grab coffee. Everybody's asleep in the house. I try to stay quiet. I go sit in my chair, and that's the best time of the day for me to experience God. By 9 o'clock in the morning, I've already got a thousand thoughts going through my head, okay? And, and it takes a while to kind of get that off of me. But that's when I'm at my best, that's what I do. I encourage you to get a schedule. I encourage you to just make a commitment and to just do it. Make it a habit. Practice, practice, practice. And then finally, I want to offer you today uh, some resources for prayer. If you'll take a look in your bulletin on the inside part of the bulletin, there is... I'm going to borrow Kirk's. Kirk's, can I borrow yours here? Because I forgot mine, of course. On the inside of the bulletin, on uh, the bottom right half, underneath the sermon notes, there's a couple of uh, recommendation apps. That one on the left there is called My Daily Office. It's a blue square there. There you go with a white cross. Now, I have to say, if you're not an Apple person, I apologize. Uh, that is not available. That's only available uh, at the, uh, in the App Store for Apple phones. However, we have booklets that are the exact same template uh, just right across the hallway. It's called Field Guide for Prayer. It's the exact same thing, just in print. You can buy one for a dollar. It's on the honor system. Put a dollar in the jar. There's another booklet right over there across the hallway at the Welcome Center called How to Pray by E. Stanley Jones. He's a missionary, was a missionary in India. And so those are a couple of resources. Uh, this app is a great resource. Uh, just do what you got to do to start this and find your own prayer rhythm, find your prayer life, and begin to practice. Brothers and sisters, we worship and are connected to a God who is good. And he wants us to offer ourselves to him. And as we do so, as we surrender, as we humble ourselves, he will meet us in that place. And he will do whatever he needs to do in your life. The Holy Spirit will lead you. He'll change you. He'll guide you. You just got to give him something to work with. That's all you got to do. Let's take a few moments now to meditate as Augie plays and Let's just think about, God, what is, it that, what is your invitation to me in this moment? What do I need to do in my life to encounter you in prayer? Would you pray with me? Jesus, we're here. We just show up in your presence right now. Uh, I just pray that you would send your spirit upon us to speak to our hearts that we would make ourselves available. Lead us, O oh Lord, in your ways. Show us what you want us to do. Give us the faith that we need to know that you're good, to believe that you're good in good seasons and in hard seasons. Give us a willingness to surrender because we trust in you and your goodness. And just give us that sense of humility. Draw us into the deeper places, Lord. Come and speak to us now.